Well, I hope you'll glean something new from it today, too. That would be great. But, uh, hey, our servers are going to collect the offering, and uh, we just appreciate your generosity. You know, all this uh, stuff that we celebrate, none of it could happen without your, your generosity. So thank you for your, your faithfulness in that. We, we, uh, it just means more than you know. Uh, we're, we're continuing, as, uh, as John mentioned that video, continuing this series in the Sermon on the Mount, this most famous sermon that Jesus ever, ever gave. In the, it's in the book of Matthew, chapter 5 through 8. Uh, if you're reading it on your own at home. But uh, today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6. And there's this common thread that runs through the entire Sermon on the Mount. And, and this is what it is. It's that motives matter. Motives. Wh- why you do what you do is, is really what matters. And, and again and again you can hear Jesus say that it's not just important what you do, but why you do it. Why, what are the intentions behind what you're doing? And this is the distinctive part about the teaching of Jesus is that faithfulness is not just about action, it's about intention. And that's why the Pharisees were always on the wrong side of every issue. They're always at odds with Jesus because they had mastered the law. You've got to remember, these, the Pharisees, they were the best that the world had to offer at the time. These, these Pharisees, they, they were faithful in the sense that they followed all the laws, like 613 laws. They followed them all to a T. And their idea of being righteous, their idea of being, you know, standing well before God was that they, they you know, they followed everything. They, they checked all the boxes. And yet the intention behind it, their, their motives, their hearts were all wrong. Jesus at one point referred to them as whitewashed tombs. He said, you look great on the outside, but on the inside, you're a mess. And that's what he's uh, driving at again and again with this sermon, is that the, the problem with religion is if we boil it all down, you know, what it means to follow Jesus, if we just boil all that down to follow the rules then we're really not following Jesus. We're not walking with God. He was asked one time, what's the greatest command of God on our lives? What's the most important thing that we could be doing? And Jesus' response was, you must love the Lord your God. Love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And everything flows out of that. So last week, we looked at Jesus' command to love your enemies Man, I've been having some conversations since that day with some of you guys. Uh, I was looking out, you know, I, I can't really see, we have these, until you've stood up on the stage with these lights, I can't really see you. I, I can see about the first couple of rows, and beyond that, it's just kind of shapes. And uh, I had several people like, well, I saw you were looking right at me. You were looking right at me. I said, well, I may have been looking in your general direction, but I promise you, I, when, when, and, and I always say, remember when I'm preaching this stuff, I may have a finger out. Just remember, I've got three that are pointed right back at myself. So don't think for one second that these aren't things that I'm struggling with too. I, I know they're hard. And, and, and that's the thing when we, we come to Jesus and, and maybe we, we, we think, you know, what does it look like, okay, if I, I say a few words, I get dunked in a baptistry, and that's it, right? No, there's, there's all these, these hard things, and, and, and you, you might say, well, I, I didn't realize it was going to be so difficult. Now, you, now you're beginning to get it. If this isn't a one-time deal. This is a daily decision. It's a daily walk that I am laying down my life for the cause of Jesus every day. I have to make the decision that he must become greater and I must become less. He has to be glorified in my life. At the end of the passage last week, 
Jesus said these words, and here they are again, Matthew 4, verse 48. He says, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father is perfect. Does that bother anybody else besides me in here? I really don't like that. Why can't we just skip past that verse in the New Testament? Last time I checked, I'm pretty, pretty far from, from perfect. It's, it just sounds like this impossible standard that we could never, we could never get to. <laughs> and we've had, a few, we've had a few conversations, some of us. Some of you in this room, we've had that conversation this week. Man, how, why did he have to say that? You know, I already struggle with the idea of trying to be perfect, and I know that I can't be perfect, and, and that's, that's hard. And, and now I'm hearing Jesus say to be perfect. What do I do with that? That's frustrating. I think it should be frustrating. I think when he said that, I think he meant it to be a little frustrating for us. Because when we, when we, when we face that, the reality that our Lord and Savior said it, and, it, and it's real, and he meant it, then immediately what we recognize is I could never do that. I could never do that. And I think that Jesus would say to you, exactly. You could never do that. You've got to lean in. You've got to depend on my spirit. You've got to depend on the Holy Spirit to give you everything you need. Because who can achieve moral perfection? The Bible's pretty clear that we're all sinners. That we all need, need a Savior. And Romans 3 says we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. That, that's the good news. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. Well, how? Well, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us. From the penalty of our sins. It's not about what, what you do or what I do. It's about what Jesus did. And the more that we lean into that, the key is for us to rely on the power of God working in us. Because on our own, we're in trouble. And this is the issue. This is the, this is the big deal that we face today is there's so many of us. We're, we're independent people. You know, we, I, I got this. I can do this. I'm pretty strong. I'm pretty tough. I'm pretty disciplined. I can figure this out, and so I will be good enough, and I'll find a way to, to do the right things and do enough of the right things, and why is it that we are so offended by the word sin? Why are we so offended by the, the thought that we are sinners, and yes, you continue to sin. You continue to miss the mark. We don't want to, we, we don't want to think like that, I, you know, I... Aren't I good enough? Aren't I good enough? No. God's word says you're not. But he is. Galatians 5 says those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. And since we are living by the Spirit, well then let us follow the Spirit's leading in Every part of our lives. You've got to really underline that in your mind. Every part. See, we want to, get, we want to kind of weasel out from there. Like maybe I'll follow the Spirit's leading sometimes, but some things are mine. You know, don't, don't get up in my business when it comes to this. I like this. I want to be able to do these things. God's Word says no. You've got to crucify those sinful desires to the cross and be led by the Spirit in every part of your life. That's the only way you're going to get to 
When Jesus says, be perfect, be perfect, that's what he's talking about. Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life, and that is possible. So Jesus moves on. I'm going to look at this text today in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. This is, I'm just going to let you know right now, this is, this is uh, it's offensive. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Jesus says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. Now, just, just kind of tuck that away for a second. We'll come back to it. Because it's kind of hilarious what he just did there. If we could just be in the room when he said this. Anyway, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they, they're ever going to get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And let's notice first what Jesus, what he says there. He says, when you give. He didn't say if, but when. It's an expectation. This isn't one of those, well, some people do and some people don't know. If you're going to follow God, if you're, if, if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the expectation is that this is going to be a part of your life no matter what your income looks like. You're going to be a person who is marked by generosity because you are a child of God. That's part of the DNA. It's part of what you've inherited from the Father. He's a generous God. We are generous as his children. And so he's saying, when you do this, when you, when you give, as I am commanding you to do, don't toot your own horn. Don't put it on Instagram. Don't, don't go out and shout it from the rooftops. Look at what I did. Look at what I did. Don't give in a way where everyone notices your gift and totally misses the, the people in need of help. Do you remember, some of you, uh, you remember this, that McDonald's used to have a Monopoly game where they would give you little game pieces. So if you got like a big drink or big, you know, big Mac or whatever, they were... That was so fun. I remember that. And most of the prizes were small. Like, uh, you know, most of the time you'd get a free small fry or a free drink or, you know, whatever. Something like that. But there was, uh, there was one, one million dollar game piece. That's what we were all hoping to get, right? Every time we went there to McDonald's, you're, you're just hoping you'd peel that back and see the million dollar game piece. Well, back in 1995... The St. Jude Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee, got an envelope in the mail, postmarked from Dallas, Texas, and inside was the million-dollar game piece. No name. Don't know where it came from. We have no idea to this day. It was just an anonymous gift. And I, I think that's pretty cool. I, I, think that's, I think that's pretty awesome, you know. That they would do, yeah, that's cool. But there, there's, something, there's something really cool about an anonymous gift. When the gift is all about the person who's receiving, not about the, the one who's giving the gift. And the point that Jesus is driving home here, that we can't miss it, consistent theme throughout the Sermon on the Mount, over and over, watch your heart. Watch your heart. And Scripture says that the heart is, is desperately wicked and evil. 
You know, that's why when people say, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of trusting my heart here. I think, man, that's the, about the worst thing you could trust. It's about the worst thing you could do. Don't trust your heart. It's going to lead you in ways that are going to mess you up. And that's what he's saying. He's not concerned with what we do, but why are you doing it? What is the motivation? Every gift, and now, now let me back up just a second, because he's, he's, he's not saying that every gift that you ever give has to be anonymous. Yeah, we don't want to jump all the way and swing all the way that way. When I asked Megan to, to marry me, I saved up money. I bought an engagement ring, and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I got it. I didn't put it in a box and just leave it somewhere for her to find and wonder where it came from or, or who gave this to her. You know, she, she needed to know that it was from me. Jesus is not saying that it's wrong to let someone know that, that you gave them something because you love them. He's saying it's wrong to give if your motivation is attention. If you're giving because you want to seem like you're, you're superior, you know, look at what I've done. Uh, maybe, maybe you've heard the term, it's kind of one of those spicy terms that we use lately, virtue signaling. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but virtue signaling, it's, it's when somebody does something and they do it in a public way, maybe they film it, they put it online, or they post something, you know, and, and they, they want others to think that they're a good person, or they want other people to think that they're generous, but really, they're not concerned with the person in need, they're ju- it's really just all about them. Uh, and Jesus said, when you do that, don't think that you're going to get any reward. You're not going to get any reward from God. You already received whatever reward you were going for there. That, that's it. In verse 4, Jesus makes us a really interesting promise. Don't miss it. He says, give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will, not maybe, not sometimes it'll work out, He will reward you. Now, sometimes we forget that all this belongs to God in the first place. We, we live in the bubble. <laughs> you know, we're under the illusion that, you know, I go to work. I earn a paycheck, I come home and to, you know, to the place where I live, and I sit on my couch, I drive my car, and I do these things, and these things are all mine. It's mine, and I worked for it, and I earned it, and this is my stuff. It, it's, it's just this weird little illusion because, you know, when you, when you breathe your last and you die, like, you don't get your stuff, right? Somebody's going to get your stuff. Your stuff goes somewhere. And it's, your stuff is not your stuff. You are stewarding it for a little while. You're managing it for the time that you have it, and then you have to give it back. That's, that's the way it works. Everything belongs to God. The Scripture says that the earth belongs to the Lord and, and the, the fullness therein. This is all His stuff. He, he blesses us with it. He, he entrusts it to us for a short time, and then He gives us instructions on how we are to, to use it and relate to it. He says, you know, again, watch your heart. Don't be so in love with your stuff that that is what drives you because it'll, it'll screw you up. You know, don't, don't be so tight, you know, tight-fisted about it that, that you can't see, that you, you don't, you know, you have to hold on to things loosely in order to really benefit and, and for other people to be blessed as well. I, was, I heard a preacher talking about this the other day. I hadn't really thought about it like this. I'd never thought about this. But he, he said, you know, God has called us to tithe. And if you're not familiar with that, the word tithe, it means tenth. 
So that's a call of God over and over through Scripture. He says, I want you to return back to me a portion of your income, 10% to the Lord. To, it says you bring it into the storehouse, which is the church. Says this is, and, and then the church's responsibility is to use it well to spread the gospel, to make sure that people are, are coming to know Jesus and those sort of things. And, and so th- this pastor was saying, you know, we're, we're called to do that. He says, but if you don't tithe, but you give, so like, you know, you help someone in need, really what you're doing, you're just giving away God's money. Like, it wasn't your money. That was, you're just saying, well, I'm going to, God, I'm going to take your money and do this with it. And, you know, that's really not a, a very good idea. I, I never thought about it like that, but, but he's right. That, that, that really is kind of weird. Because generosity demonstrates our trust in God. It proves that we trust him. There's, I, don't, I can't think of anything else in our life that, that we can get so in love with it that really, really affects us other than our, our finances. And when he says give, when he says be faithful, be generous, when we do that, it's, it's proving. We're showing that we can let go of it in order to, to trust him and knowing that he'll take care of us. I read about a pretty wealthy guy who became a Christian. You know, the guy was making more money than than uh, you know more money than anybody needs to but he uh he had just learned about the concept of tithing and he said i i, I can't understand this this is this is crazy he says i made three hundred thousand dollars last year so if i were to tithe on that that means i would have to give away thirty thousand dollars i can't afford to do that what, what am i going to do would you would you pray about that with me and so his his friend prayed for him he said dear lord I pray that you would lower my friend's income to the point that he can afford to be generous. (laughs) Generosity, it demonstrates our trust in in God. Uh, Jesus is concerned with our heart. Something that came to my mind as I was thinking about this. Back in the early 90s, uh, in the country of Sudan, they were going through a big civil war. And uh, they were having economic, of course, they've had economic problems for a long, long time. And at the time, they were also facing a famine. It was just kind of like this triple threat of just terrible things, that were, and everybody's struggling. And uh, there was a photographer named Kevin Carter that traveled there, and he took this picture. You, you probably have seen this somewhere. Uh, it, it's a little girl who's, who's she's crawling, which you, which you can't see. She's crawling towards a food center. She's starving to death. And so she's crawling, he's taking her, he, he stood there, Kevin Carter, as he takes this picture, he stood there for 20 minutes and watched this girl trying to crawl towards the food center as this vulture is following her. And he stood there for 20 minutes because he was hoping that the vulture would spread its wings and he thought that would make a really cool shot, but it, it never did. So he ended up just snapping the picture and then he went and shooed the bird away, gets on a plane, comes back to the United States and wins the Pulitzer Prize. Six months later, he ended up killing himself because he felt so guilty as he realized, why didn't I help the girl? What was going on in my mind? You know, and, and I just think the, the worst part about that is maybe that little girl and, and, and I think definitely the photographer would still be alive today if he had actually been generous Instead of just trying to appear in some way as, you know, seeking admiration, Jesus is saying, watch your heart. Watch your heart. What are you, what are you doing? This is what he says next. He, he, he goes on and he says, now, 
when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Who's he talking about there? We'll come back to that. Who are these hypocrites? He says, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, I want you to go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. And then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now, I don't know if you, you caught this, because this is, this is pretty offensive. Uh, if we're looking at this, as we're reading this, um, I, I think you, you, you probably should feel a little bit of offense at that. Uh, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Who were the hypocrites? They were the religious people. They were the ones that were in church. He's talking to this big crowd, listening to him. And you know who he's talking to? The people that weren't yet following him. He said, don't, 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 be, like, don't be like these church people. Because they love attention. Man, they love it. You know, when they pray, they, just, they try to pray these big flowery prayers because they think they're impressing other people. Don't, don't be like that. And it's, it's interesting to me. We're at a stage in our church where we need to be aware of this. We're, we're, we're healthy. We're continuing to grow. And this is something that happens. It just, it's just something that takes place. Whenever something is going well in a church, religious people start showing up. And when they show up, this is what they do. This is what religious people do. They show up, they act like leaders, and they start bossing everybody around, and they always think that they're the teacher and they're never the student. They know it all, and they're going to come and tell you, like, you know, y'all really need to be doing this. And it's kind of like, well, we're, we're good, actually. I think, uh, I think we're okay. But they, they don't like that. And, and, here's, and here's the thing. If, if you don't repent of sin and follow Jesus, then you're just another religious person. If you're not actually repenting and saying, I don't want to be like that anymore. I want to follow Jesus. If you're not actually doing that, then you're just, you're just another religious person. Jesus died for sinners, but he was killed by religious people. I mean, figure that out for a second. And, and Jesus is, is teaching. This is what's happening. He's teaching, and all of a sudden, he's got this following. Because whenever something's happening, whenever something's going on, that's when people start showing up. They're like, oh, what's going on? Let's check this out. But these religious people, they showed up not to learn, but to criticize. They showed up because they were going to teach Jesus a thing or two. They were going to tell him, no, you know, no you're wrong on that. And, and, and that was the problem. He's, he's teaching and he's saying, when you pray, don't be like religious people. Don't be like the hypocrites because they love to be seen. Yeah, they want you to believe that they're extra special and spiritual and holy. Think about Jesus' 12 disciples, right? The 12. Who among them was the hypocrite? It was Judas. Right? Judas is the, is the hypocrite. He's the guy who was always there. Every time they're doing anything, he's there. When it was time to pray, say, oh, I'll pray. When it's time to serve, oh, I'll, I'll serve. When it's time to sing, oh, I'll sing. But privately, that's not who he is. And the word hypocrite, it, it appears 27 times in the New Testament. It just means to wear a mask, to play a part. It's I'm not showing you my true identity. What I show you is what I want you to see. Uh, 
Jesus talks about these people. He says, oh, these people, these people, they honor me with their lips. Oh, yeah, they pray and they sing, but their hearts are far from me. And we'll dive into that topic next week because Jesus lays it out, what, what prayer should look like. But, but it's important if we're going to know what he wants us to do, we need to know what he doesn't want us to do. And so he's crystal clear here. He says, when you pray, when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your father in private, and then your father who sees everything will reward you. He's, Jesus is concerned with our motives. Again, does that mean that we always have to pray privately, that we can't ever pray? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that it, it's the motive, it's the intention. Why are you doing what you're doing? Well, here's something that uh, I've learned is, is true in my life. When it comes to all this, all this stuff, right, I'm talking about a lot of things. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Staying close. If I, the closer I can stay to the Lord, the better off I am. It's not about trying to follow all the rules. It's about staying close to Jesus. I think about, like, let's say you're, you're walking down the street, and you've got two bottles of water, and, and you're not really thirsty, but you see a homeless guy there who is thirsty. What, what should you do? What, what would you do? I, I, you know, I think, obviously, a lot of us would go immediately to, oh, give him the water, give him the water. But, you know, what about this? What if you would, instead of just giving him the water, what if you would quickly, if you had the kind of walk with God where, you could, where you're constantly in prayer and talking to him, what if you could quickly just say, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to give this guy this water right now? And maybe, perhaps he does, but for all you know, there could be a lady right behind you with a bottle, with just one bottle of water and a stingy heart, and God's really working on her, and he's trying to give her the opportunity to, to step up here and, and serve and, 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 and give her the opportunity. In the first scenario, we, we play God. In the second scenario, we play with God, or play for God. I, I'd rather play for God. I think obedience, staying close, where I... I'm able to discern, what do you want me to do, Lord? What, what do you want me to do? That's what the Sermon on the Mount keeps reminding us of. The Pharisees are perfect at keeping the law. They make sacrifices to make sure that they're following every part of it, but their hearts were far from God. They were not walking with God. So it's not just about what you do, but why you do it. Let's look at the last part. I'm, I'm going to wrap up here. Verse 16 through 18, he says, And when you fast... Don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. He's just, you got to remember, these people, they're sitting there, and he's just, he's talking, and I almost imagine that he just looks over, like if they're all sitting in one section, he's like, and when you fast, you know, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he just keeps going right back to them. He's just really not letting them off the hook. He says, but they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that's the only reward they're ever going to get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. It's a promise again, over and over again. I don't have time today to unpack the whole concept of fasting because for a lot of us, that's not something that we do regularly. Although it is a powerful way to connect with God through prayer, it's a, it's a practice of setting aside a certain amount of time to, to abstain from food. 
And, you know, when you're hungry, it reminds you, kind of that reminder of, man, I need to be praying for this person or this situation or this whatever, this issue in my life. It's a, it's a powerful way to find clarity and, and hear from God. Lots of examples in Scripture of people fasting, but we'll save that for another time. The important part that I want to point out is, again, watch your heart. Watch your heart. The Pharisees, the religious people, they, they fasted, and they would twist up their face and, oh, I'm so hungry, I just, I haven't eaten in, in five days, you know, and they, they wanted everybody, oh my goodness, look how spiritual they are. They must be closer to God than I am. Wish I could be like that. And that's the, that's the motive. Jesus is saying, well, that, that's all they're going to get. They're not going to have any reward from God. It's all about the heart, the continual call to check your motives. Why are you doing the things that you're doing? That's where I want to push us. That's where Jesus is pushing us today. Why are you doing the things that you do? If it springs out of a desire to, to honor God, then all right, you're on track. If, you, if it springs out of, I want to put him in first place, I want God to be, you know, I, I, I want more of him and less of me, then okay, you're getting it. But what's your heart like? How are you relating to God? What does that relationship look like? Are you driven by guilt? I think a lot of us are. Some of us, it's, it's, not, even, it's not even like, oh, I want to be seen and I want to be special. We, we're, we're on the opposite end of the pendulum. We're driven more by, because we just feel so guilty. That's not healthy either. Because that's, that's just the opposite side of the same coin. Are, are you driven out of duty? Like, I have to do these things because these are the things that I'm supposed to do. That's no good either. But is your relationship with God marked by faithful obedience and devotion to Jesus Christ as Lord? I surrender myself to Him. If you need to talk to somebody about that today, we're going to have volunteers out in the next steps area, but we'd love to pray with you. But that's just kind of my... My push today, I know this is a hard call. The Sermon on the Mount, the, the more you get into it, the more you realize this is heavy stuff. Uh, so let's pray. Lord, it's a high bar. And uh, I, I know that these things we, we've discussed and these things that Jesus points us to are not things that we can do on our own. We need you. We need your spirit to to guide us, to strengthen us, to do everything that we can't do for ourselves. So, so please, Lord, would you, would you take us to a place that we haven't been before? Take us further, take us deeper. Get us out of the, get us out of the comfortable place. Get us out of the routine. Help us to, to learn what it looks like to walk with you in a, in a new way. Lord, we're, we're trusting in you moment by moment, even in the moment where we can, when we can talk with you and that our, our hearts and our, our, our spirits are sensitive enough to recognize your voice. Help us to recognize your voice so that we can do the things that you call us to do as you call us to do them. Lord, thank you for who you are, and I just pray for everybody that's here today that you would Lift us up, Lord. Lift us up. Help us to, to be faithful. That's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday.